um, starting at verse 10. So I'll just pray before we read the Bible. Dear Jesus, we thank you that uh, we can come together this morning. We thank you for the, um, the meal that we can have just shared together and for the, the love that you have poured out to us. God, we thank you that we can now read the Bible and we pray that you will help us to understand it and as Glenn expands on it and shares more about it, that you will, um, through your spirit, reveal, reveal it to us and may we bless, be blessed as we head out into the week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is titled, All Scripture is Breathed Out by God. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love and steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learnt it, and how, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and extort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from the listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill, fulfill your ministry. For I am ready already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for, for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing here ends the reading Um, we, we're not having a um, congregational prayer today, uh, pastoral prayer, so these books are communication books or prayer books. If you want to find out anything about our church or you want someone to visit you or you want some contact with leadership, put it in here. But if you've got a prayer request, uh, put it in here. If you want us to follow you up, put up some contact details and we'll do that during the week. So uh, do that um, and we will act on it during the week. So as uh, we've talked about, uh, we're looking at who we are, um, and I'm sort of playing on this idea that we are a family of servants on mission. Um, and last week, uh, I'm using 2 Timothy to do that. So last week, if you were here, we had Mother's Day, and Joel uh, looked at the beginning of uh, this letter. 
where he uh, reflected on uh, the stories of change, long-term change, um, as we saw that Timothy uh, was discipled into faith primarily through uh, his mother and uh, the grandmother uh, before that. And that we saw that uh, often discipleship, um, uh, and if we think in a family context, is a a long-term venture maybe sort of 18, 20, 25 years uh, that we take to disciple um, our children. Uh, And we do that in a context of life on life together. As we not just teach children the teachings, but we actually show them what it looks like as we live it out and we act on it together. And this picture, I think, particularly comes out of um, sort of this family discipleship, this family of servants on uh, this mission, particularly in um, the pastoral letters uh, and in this whole uh, book or letter of Timothy. And it comes out even stronger there that it's not just a biological family and that the family actually becomes extended through Christ and what we just participated in. It actually unites us together. So that Paul says to Timothy, you are my son, my dearly loved son. And Joel sort of alluded to last week, we're not sure that Timothy's dad was not a believer. We're not sure actually what happened to him. But Paul actually took Timothy under his wing and almost treated him like a son, uh, part of the family. And they went on mission together uh, and he showed him how to live out Uh, this life of following Jesus. And that Timothy, uh, in this letter and the one before, um, talks about how the church is to operate as a family, how older men are to pass on to younger men and older women to pass on to younger women. And there's this sense that we're, uh, as an extended family, aunts and uncles together, uh, working out how to follow Jesus and how to live for him, how to be servants like he was a servant. And in this letter, as Luke um, sort of just read at the beginning, he says, Paul says to Timothy, you know about my teaching and my way of life and my purpose. And so uh, Paul has sort of outlined his purpose, if you read through uh, um, his other letters, but it sort of comes out in here too. Paul, what was Paul's purpose? Paul's purpose was to bring Christ to the Gentiles, to people who yet had not heard it outside the sort of the Jewish uh, connections outside the family, to bring it to the Gentiles so that what? They could be joined to the family, so that they too could become sons and daughters of the living God. And he, uh, his purpose is to move people into uh, following Christ. That's what we sort of picked up on our sort of purpose as well. And he went on uh, those missionary journeys. He took Timothy with him and he showed him what it looked like. And Timothy experienced that as he went on this journey with him together. His heart was for expanding uh, the family of God, adding people to it, seeing them grow up and seeing them begin to care and disciple and love one another so that the family would grow and expand. They were discipled uh, into the family, uh, often relationally, Think about what Acts, you know, the beginning of Acts and how that looked. And they had all things in common. They shared with one another. No one was within need. 
They uh, gathered around this sort of table. They gathered around the apostles' teaching. They wanted to learn what it was more to live as a people of God, as a family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, aunts and uncles, extended family, as we work out how do we live out who we are. That we are now the body of Christ. We are Christ-like. That we are to be like him in our workplaces, in our schools, in our unis, with our neighbours, with our families, within the church, serving as Christ served. And we're to look at his life and seek to emulate that with each other. And Paul says that you've seen that in my life. He says you've seen it in my faith, that my faith wasn't just words, it was in action. You've seen it. And that actually you've seen it to the point where it nearly cost me my life. You've seen me in persecution, you've seen me in jail, you've seen me in suffering, you've seen me be beaten as I've sought to live out this life of following Jesus. And so we ask ourselves the question, (laughs) what are our kids, what do we see each other doing (laughs) in terms of living that out? And that actually part of the role of the family is to spur one another on to keep living this out so that we can see it in each other, but so that the world can see it. That we can go into places and experiences that God turns up and does things in amazing ways and we see that we actually serve a living God that interacts with the things that we're involved in, that he interacts with our mission. Uh, in recently, I've just gone to um, our life group leaders And I've been uh, saying to them, and some of you might have gone through this already, that the next time that you serve at Cavell Corner, I want you to treat it as a short-term mission experience. And if you think about what what goes into a short-term mission experience, and you think about all the planning and the prayer and looking at who's good at what and what gifts there are, and we think about the people and the context and who we're uh, seeking to serve, and we ask God to interact with that. And I think this is... We, we, we talked about that you know, when we go on a short-term mission experience that, that sort of builds up and we have all sorts of excitement. But here in the church, when we do it week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, year in, year out, we lose some of that edge. We come a little, and so we've got to remind each other of the urgency and of the excitement and of the desire to keep serving, to keep displaying this, to keep being the family that shows the world, what Jesus is like, both as we serve in deed, in action, but as we speak it, as we speak the good news, as we communicate what's different about our lives, what's different about being a follower of Jesus. And so we're being urged this morning to keep encouraging each other to do that, to spur one another on. And the context that Paul writes here, I don't know if you picked it up, is not a great context. He says, Timothy, uh, I've decided I've shaped because get ready because it's going to get tough. I was at uh, this conference this week, this church planning conference, and there was a go- uh, some people there that have done um, a fair bit of thorough studying into Australian history and looking at where we are as a nation. And that how we've moved from being a Christian country, which is no longer the case, and that we are now a secular country, a country that's probably more pagan than it is Christian. And that the 
um, some of the structures that we had in place in years gone by, like RE, uh, praying in Parliament, those sorts, those things are gone. And we live in a very different context now. And uh, he was saying, and I think he's, I think he's going to be right, he was saying, I, I need to be... T- but you mark down in history the year 2014 to probably 2017, 2018, that sort of period, and you will uh, you mark it down. I reckon there's going to be a significant decline in Christian, um, or Christian morals, but Christian uh, expression from that time on. I think we've noticed, and you would notice, the sharp decline already in just in those uh, three years as uh, Australia heads more and more into being a secular nation. And that that, um, what that is expressing itself in particular is a reaction against Christianity and in particular a reaction against the church. I was talking to Pete van der Zag this week who went to... um, uh, last week, he went to the Safe Schools uh, Information Night. There's some people that have been trying to talk about what the uh, Safe Schools program's on about. Uh, so they went, and there was someone speaking and talking and teaching about that. They went there, and there were protesters there that had actually blocked them out. They circled the building and stopped them coming in. So they were, they were wanting to come in, and the police, <laughs> the police wouldn't interfere. So they had to find a back entrance, someone found out an entrance that if you went down the street and through the back and you could come in through the back entrance. I think this is more and more the context that we're going to be finding ourselves and particularly our kids as we live in this country. And if you think about that, um, we need to think about what does it look like for us to be missionaries in that sort of context. I think in our history gone by, we have had a lot of credit where we've been able to ride on the back of Christendom and Christian values, and Christ- which is not going to be there in the future. It's already declining fastly. And so what does it look like for us to be a family of servants in that missionary context? And Jesus has reminded us it's this. <laughs> You've got to live this out. You've got to live out that there is a God, your identity is that you are created people, that you are a son and daughter of the living God, that you have received good news, that even though we have rebelled against him, that he has given us forgiveness and love and grace. And now I want you to live that out as you come up against your enemies. He says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for their forgiveness, just as I did on the cross. As they were nailing me to a cross, I was praying that they would be forgiven. He says, I want you to take who you are, who God is and who you are. as a people. I want to take it into your workplace. I want you to be a, a servant there. I want you to show and demonstrate my love and grace. And I actually want you to invite people in to this family. <laughs> to help them to become... I want you to introduce them to the family. Have them over for dinner. Invite them into your context. Show them what it means to be a loving community. Because I think one of the most powerful experiences of um, or demonstrations of who God is and who we are because of him is going to come by the way we live with one another. The way we show love and community together as we're this family of servants on mission.
and people actually see it? Because this is, this is what's happening with um, those friends of Ronnie and Jeremy and Ken and Nicole that I was talking about. They're actually starting to see a demonstration of Christ's love in that place as people interact with each other. I have it in Cavell. People in Cavell are talking about this community. There's something, what is it? You, these people, the way that you love us, the way you love each other, the way you interact with us, there's something different about that. And when our culture interacts with that, they begin to think, oh, there is something more to this. There is something to this. And it breaks down some of those barriers. Think about uh, what it means for us to be in that. Oh, I've gone off. Um, the other thing that, G, uh, that Paul says to Timothy, you know about my teaching. Paul was big on this. Uh, and his teaching, uh, he, Paul taught a lot of doctrine. And doctrine, pretty well the way I sum it, is the story of God. Do you know the story of God and how it works and how you fit into it? And Paul was big on teaching that. And I think one of, us, one of our things as we engage with this mission is for us to be gospel fluent. I've been using that language a bit. Is so that you and I can speak about this reality in everyday language with the people that I'm going to uh, have morning tea with or I'm going to have lunch with or I'm going to hang out with this week. And it's a learned language. And I reckon, and I'm going from my own experience, I recognize how I, how, how I have a Christian language that I do here, and then my language changes when I'm not with my non-Christian, when I'm with non-Christian people. And I'm actually learning, how do I speak that sort of language about the good news of Jesus, and how do I bring that into the everyday? And this is another thing that we learn, how do we learn language? Primarily, we do it in family as we actually hang out with each other, we speak to one another and we see each other or, you know, we see our parents interacting with other people. We go into a place of mission we see, and we actually learn the language by actually hearing it, seeing it and experiencing it. So we need to start speaking it to each other as we also speak it to the people that God's put in our path. One of the things um, that also is coming out of a lot of the studies about Australian culture is not necessarily everyone in Australia is um, angry at the church and, and wants to... A lot of people in Australian culture are actually just indifferent about the church. They just think it's irrelevant. They don't even care. Why would, oh, you can do that, that's okay, but it's not relevant for anything else. But yet when you tap into, well, what do you believe? A lot of Australian people actually have no concept of what their worldview is or what big reality there is. And it actually gives us a great opportunity to ask, well, what do you believe? How do you make sense of good and evil in the world? Or how, you know, do you believe in a, a life after death? Or you know, how does that affect, if you don't believe in a life, how does that affect the way you live? And we can actually start to inter interact with that indifference as well as um, the antagonism that may come our way. And so as uh, Paul finishes off this letter with Timothy, he says, I charge you then, um, he charges you basically to serve with his gift. Paul's, uh, Timothy's gift is preaching of the word um, and, and communicating that. And he says, now I want you to serve the church. Primarily the gifts are given to the church, given to the family, so that the family can be equipped to do the good work that God's prepared for us to do in the world. And he says, now so you too have been given gifts. 
And I want you to encourage and build each other up so that we can do the good work that God has called us to. And he says, I want you to do the work of an evangelist or do the work of the disciple maker um, and use your gifts um, to uh, pass on the baton. And this, the language at the end of this passage, Paul's basically saying he's coming to the end of his life. He said, my life's now poured out. I'm not going to be here much longer. Timothy, I'm passing it on to you. And this is this multiplication of this principle that goes through the, through the Bible, particularly in discipleship, in moving, who are we passing on the baton? And not just making followers of Jesus. That's good, but it's not best. Because followers of Jesus will then make other followers of Jesus. It's a multiplication thing. So it's not just for you, it's not just for me that I know Jesus and live with him. No, it's then for us to live that out as a family, a servant on mission, to let the mission to other people know so that we are disciples who make disciples. Stop there, Glenn. We're going too long. I could go on for longer, but I won't. So, as we go from here, we're asking you as a family to keep spurring us on in our purpose of displaying God to the world, growing each other up so that we can do his good work. We're wrestling with what does that look like for us as a moment? What does it look like for us in Australian context? What does it look like in Scoresby context? What does it look like in your work context? We're asking about what sort of gifts that we have to be able to do that. How are we training in that? How are we being equipped to do that? And uh, when we have our meal together a bit in a minute, a bit later on, we're going to ask some of those questions and we might actually want to learn together as a family. We're actually going to have a family meeting. We're going to have a, a get-together and we're actually going to have a bit of a talk about who we are and how do we actually do this. And we, we, we want to learn together. Um, and so that we're going to do that a bit in a minute. Before we do that, we're going to respond to the good news of what we've participated, what we've heard, uh, by responding to God in worship. So I'm going to ask our youth band to come up and we're going to sing uh, the song, I Believe. Uh, it's almost a sense of we believe as a family. And if you know the words of this song, it sort of flicks between the two. Um, sometimes it sings about our father or it's sort of singing to each other. Other times it's singing, I believe. Um, but this song is the Apostles' Creed, to a certain extent, extent is it's, we're singing our identity. <laughs> this is who we are. Um, as followers of Jesus. This is who we are as God's family. This is who we are as his servants, as his uh, missionaries in this world. So will you stand and respond uh, to, a, to a great God that has given us this new identity of being a family of servants on his mission? Let's praise him.